Jesus almost never gives us any steps of how to do things or any prescription of how to approach living a moral life as a Christian. Except today. When it comes to correcting a brother or sister, he gives us a very straightforward four-step program how to properly correct your brother or sister, which should make it a piece of cake, right? But what is he doing in this? What is the purpose of this stepwise way of approaching correcting a brother or a sister? So the first, he says, is if they've wronged you, to take them aside and to correct them one-on-one. -on -one. So what are you doing with this person? Well, first, you're avoiding shaming them by correcting them in front of everybody else. You're taking them aside and you're eliminating shame as a possible outcome in correcting the wrong that they've done. The other thing that you're doing is you're helping bring awareness to them of some way that they have erred, either in word or thought or in deed. Because all of us have blind spots in our life and we require other people to make us aware of what those blind spots are. If that's not enough for the person, then you get one or two other people with you. One or two other witnesses. Why? Because now this person that you're trying to correct knows that this isn't just your opinion of them anymore. Now two or three others share the same perspective on what they have said or thought or done. And now it's not just one opinion, but now it's an objective perspective on them. And so it changes the way that they see and understand this correction. Now it's not just this person who doesn't really like me or this person who has a beef with something that I think, but now it's something that is a collective. Then if that doesn't work, bring them to the church. What is being, what's the intention from that? When you bring them to the church, the idea is that you're bringing them before an authority. Because the first two, one-on-one -on -one and with two or three witnesses, you're correcting as equals. You are brothers and sisters together. But the next step, if they won't listen to a brother or sister, is to bring them before an authority so that if they won't listen to a peer, maybe they will listen to someone who has authority over them. Maybe this will be enough to jar them out of their stubbornness and their pride to see that what they have thought or said or done isn't just isolated, but that it has an effect on the whole community. And if at the end they won't listen to the authority, then let them be like the Gentile or tax collector. What does that mean? It means that they are now ostracized, pushed out of the community. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian. Why? Because they need to see the consequence of their action. They need to experience what they can possibly lose by whatever they thought, said, or done because they won't listen to one brother or sister, they won't listen to two or three, they won't listen to the authority of that community. So now the last resort is, we're going to let you experience the effect of what you've done for the sake of regaining. But then we have to look on the flip side too. Why does Jesus tell us these steps for the one who is doing the correcting? Well, first you take them one-on-one. -on -one. Because by doing it aside and in private, you avoid part of the temptation of, I am the right one. 
and I'm going to let everyone else see that I am correct and this person was wrong. We eliminate part of that temptation for pride. It also pushes us towards avoiding gossip and, and complaining because we're actually dealing with the person that's involved rather than walking away from the situation and then gossiping with another or complaining to another about what this person thought, said, or done, and nothing happens. Then, after one-on-one, -on -one, then you get two or three. What does that do for the one who's corrected? It means that you are now open to possibly being wrong. Because if you bring it to two, one or two other people and they say, uh, I don't think you're right, or you didn't say that very well, now you are allowing yourself the possibility of being corrected in the way that you correct the other person. Again, humbling that pride that can well up in us. And then bringing the person to the church, to the authority. What are we doing? We're relinquishing control over needing to correct this person. They are now in the church's hands. I don't need to make things better because that's not the goal. But the goal is that this brother or sister is regained. And then finally, when they are sent out from the community, for the one who is correcting, the challenge is that the door remains always open as a Christian. Even though the last resort is to push them away, it's always with the door open to welcome them back when they are ready. Jesus gives us each one of these steps, and it's not by accident, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew where this passage is found, it's sandwiched between two important passages of Scripture. The one that precedes what we just heard today is the Good Shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one who is astray, to bring them back into the fold. And the one on the other side of the verse that we heard today is Peter asking Jesus, how many times do I forgive? And Jesus says, 77 times you offer forgiveness. In this, we are called to bring correction to one another. But what are the challenges to doing this well? I think part of it, for many of us, is courage. We're a bunch of nice Canadians. We don't like to ruffle other people's feathers. We're not real good with conflict for most of us. Some of some of you are really good at conflict, but most of us are not that good at conflict, and so we tend to avoid it. We lack the courage to say what we think needs to be said. Part of that is that we have this fear of losing that relationship or a fear of being rejected by that person in the correction that we make. Another challenge is pride that I am doing this correction, not for the good of this other person, but because I need to be right. They are thinking or speaking or acting different than me. I need to correct that so that they more closely match what I think and say and do. And that's never the point. That when we correct somebody, it's not about one person being right and the other person being wrong. Jesus tells us, what is the point of correction? so that you might regain a brother or sister. It is for their good that you do it, not your own. And then, one of them is perspective. 
We need to shift our perspective a little bit on why we correct someone else. Because what does Jesus say right after he gives us the four steps? He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That he's saying that whatever is done here has an eternal consequence. So it's not just a little thing. When someone is doing something that breaks the community, it's not just, well, we'll just kind of tolerate it. Because what happens now has an effect into eternity. Whether it is for their own soul or whether it's for the good of the whole community. There is a weight to this. It's not trivial. It's not nothing. Any evil should be wiped out by the help of God's grace. There's an atheist who once said that he doesn't He doesn't have any respect for a Christian that doesn't proselytize, which isn't a very Catholic word, but basically he doesn't have any respect for a Christian who doesn't try to convert him. Because he said, if you believe what you actually believe, that damnation is a possibility and heaven is better, if you don't do anything to try to correct me, to lead me to heaven, even though I don't believe anything that you say, then what kind of Christian are you? Do you even care about me? if you don't bring that news of heaven to me. It has an eternal weight, an eternal consequence. It's not trivial. And then there's the other part where it's not a very popular perspective today, but there's no such thing as a private sin. There's no such thing as a decision that we make for ourselves that doesn't have an effect on anybody else. Every decision that we make for ourselves has an effect with others. And one more time, I'm going to use the same example I used last Sunday, and then I'll leave it alone for a while. With Sunday Mass attendance, those who choose not to be here have an effect on our community. There's holes in our congregation for the people that choose that sometimes they'll come to Mass and sometimes they won't. That has a consequence on the nature and the fabric of our Catholic community here in Canrose. Most of us don't come to Mass thinking that whether I'm here or not has an impact on the community because I come to Mass for myself. But it does. Frankly, I've been looking forward to this weekend for a while because summer sucks. We're not all together because everybody's away this way and that, so there's always people missing. I always see the pews that are missing the regulars because they're off on holidays. Now, after Labor Day weekend, now we're all back together again. Part of the reason that we correct is because there is nothing that we think or say or do that is just for me. It always has an effect on the whole community. And the goal is always to regain. But then the last thought I'll leave you with, are you open to correction? If you're willing to correct another, Are you open to being corrected by another so that you might be regained?